This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Avrin. Hi, Vanya. What's going on? Oh my gosh, not much. You know, actually, uh, when this comes out in two days, we have, it's our second year anniversary. That's right, which is so wild. Of being rom-crime and all of our episodes and putting things together and growing with you and learning and changing and shaping and yeah, so two years. That's so exciting. Two years. That's it's funny because um, yesterday when we were doing our fun little photo shoot thing. That's um, right, folks. We got some good stings coming to you. Yeah. I mean, we, who knows? Uh, Maybe you're like, I don't want to see pictures of you, but whatever. We took some photos. Fair together. enough. <laughs> you don't have. No one's gonna make you look at them. We're not gonna like come to your house and hold your eyes no. open. Um, but no. But the makeup artist was asking me like how it started, and I was telling her how you kind of. We talked about doing one for so long, and then you kind of almost not tricked me into doing it, but you were like, this is just for fun. That's right. We're just going to record, and we ended up even re-recording that episode because of it was there was no research. I didn't know we were going to be doing it. (laughs) I forgot that I kind of tricked you because because I know myself, Avrin. I know when I'm planning on doing something, I'll perfectionist out, and I just won't start. So one... tactic I've had in my life it's I don't know I'm a I'm an enigma wrapped in a mystery wrapped in a twinkie I don't even know (laughs) but I I know that if I just run full speed ahead at something and stop thinking then eventually something happens so that's what we did yeah no and I love it thank you for tricking thank you for tricking me two years ago in two days it was a wonderful wonderful thing and speaking of tricks we are in the month of (gasps) tricks and treats oh I'm so excited Aaron it's my favorite month of the year it's such a good one and it actually kind of feels like fall here in LA it does it's windy I I tried to go on a walk and there was like um you know in most places it's fall but there's leaves everywhere I was like what the the hell am I the 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 leaves are falling off the trees even in Los Angeles yeah and I love it I went to the grocery store and bought like six kinds of soup because I was like it feels like I could eat soup I know. I'm dying to go to Trader Joe's and get the harvest soup. Apparently, yep, they're that's out one of the in ones many I got. places. So I'm hoping I can oh. get, go grab some before they're they're gone. Well, um, I actually I have I bought one of those because I did go to Trader Joe's. Yes. and I actually had already bought it before, and it's very good. I love that soup. And also, someone was telling uh, fun hack, which I'm sure you come to rom crime to hear these weird <laughs> hacks. But someone was telling me they have pumpkin oat milk. And what you can do is make overnight oats with the pumpkin oat milk, and it's supposed to be amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, I've never done the overnight oats. They're pretty good. I just never have the 
brain capacity at night to be like, I'm going to put some, I'm going to, I'm going to pre-plan anything right now. So I just like pass out. I'm with you. <laughs> I always think like I should plan like all my meals and my husband's meals and, or at least dinners for the yeah. week and like do the chop, even if I don't like cook it off and just have to reheat it, but like prep stuff. And I, I'm always like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I never do it. No, I no. never do it. But I, I'm I'm with you 100%. But I am so excited because Avern and I decided we're we're taking the month of um, October to 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 do to rom- really dig in. Yeah, we're, to we're dig into Halloween. In. Yes, I love it so much. <laughs> and we so the the guys there are so many rom-coms out there that are Halloween inspired or whatever. So mm-hmm. I am going to Avern I've already just I made this idea or I know you agree but like we missed last week sadly because I had a death in the family and thank you everyone for your patience with us not um putting out an episode it was I just could not get it together and so thank you for that but so we missed one of our our days in October so I could do a rom-com that was Halloween inspired so we might be bleeding into November okay yeah sorry well, not sorry <laughs> I mean, we could keep this going all year if we can find the movies. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Okay. I can't wait to talk about this rom-com with you. So I had put on our social medias uh, a horrible, I just, you know, let's try some TikTok. And I loved it. You had a full face. You had full professional face. Like, how could you not post it? You know, that's why I did it, Everin. Because I, I, we had professional makeup done. I couldn't believe that I didn't do it. <laughs> I like came home and immediately was like, how do I get these eyelashes off? And thought I was ripping out my real eyelashes. Do you want to know something uh, gross? I still have my eyelashes on. I washed everything else, but I still have the eyelashes on because nice. I, I've never been able to really put fake eyelashes on. We, we went balls out, people. Balls out yeah. with the makeup, and it was—it's worth it. I, our it was so fun. Our uh, makeup artist, her name is Genevieve Lamb. She is incredible. I yeah. h- highly recommend her. Our, uh, uh, we'll tell you more once everything comes out. I'll tell you more about a photographer. He's brilliant as well. So very fun. But I digress, and I am so sorry. Um, <laughs> so I had put something out with Faith Hill's song "This Kiss," mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and I love it. And no one—well, that's not true. Two people, my sister included, couldn't figure out I because I was like tempting. I was teasing you guys. I was like, guess what rom-com I'm about to cover. And you even put a picture of the two of them and a little cartoon I one know. or something. Sylvia, you missed it. Um <laughs> I guess if you don't know to look for it or you maybe you just wouldn't notice it or yeah. not get the reference. But so I love the video. What it is, today I will be covering for my rom-com portion and holy, holy cannoli, you guys. When Avrin gets to her true crime portion, the way it intersects, I'm not going to say anything, but she only gave me a sneak peek. It is effing crazy. So if yep, you think I'm boring, the first time this has happened. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen to both of us because it's a really good tie in this so, week. Practicum magic. Yes. Woo! I love it. I love it. We I love should it. be like it. drinking margaritas and dancing. Oh my god! You put the this. lime in the coconut. <laughs> yeah, we should. It's too early. Well, actually, it's, it all, too it's early. 4 p.m. We're almost yeah. there, but the problem is, is I would probably um, go slower, and I have a lot to cover. Okay, mm. so practical Let's magic it. is it's a rom com fantasy film. That's what it says in Wikipedia. Um, it came out in 1998, and it was based on a novel written by Alice Hoffman a couple years before. And Avern, I actually 
started to listen to the book on audio, you know, audio book. Oh. It's much different. Um, it was really interesting. I didn't finish it because I don't finish a lot of things, but God bless, I started it. So it gave me some ideas, but it's it's different. Um, but so based on a book, it's directed by a person named Griffith, Griffin Dune, and it stars Sandra Bullock, Nicole Kidman, Stalker Channing, uh, Di- Diane Wiest, Gurren Visnik, Aiden Quinn, and... A couple other people, but the very, very young and talented Evan Rachel Wood plays a part, which I was like, who is that kid? It is Evan Rachel Wood. She was, she's, I think she's brilliant in everything she does. She's yeah, very, she's really good. Very strange um, actor, but I love her. So she was great in this too. And you can stream it. I had, I bought it on Prime, but you can also rent or purchase it on Apple TV and like, fubu or something i don't know but i just feel oh my like god we just got fubu free trial we already canceled it because we're not trying to get screwed but we you get it for the seven days anyway because it's playing all of the baseball playoff games oh. but i'm always like panicky anytime we sign up for a free trial that we're gonna yeah. forget oh i'm gonna forget so, it, you know for sure yeah. Um, yeah i have to cancel it like right after i sign up i go in and i'm like cancel subscription because really they'll let you that. keep it for the seven so that's days my trial. that's my hack guys Good so hack. just do the free trial and then immediately cancel it because you can still you still have access to it for I the seven that. days okay well i'm gonna do that so um so yeah i was thinking like before i tell you guys the rom rom-com i'm gonna give you like some of the information about it and then also where you can stream it if you want to watch it or maybe you're just one of those people who just has the dvd sitting up on your counter there and you're like yes. i'm gonna watch i watch this every halloween and yep. i haven't seen it in years so it was really fun to go back and watch and sort of watch it with a close eye um so the movie opens in salem massachusetts where we are introduced to maria owens she is it's like back in the day, like we're talking in the 1800s. And she's stunning, a hypnotic looking woman played by this actress named Capri Spendetti. She's so beautiful, black, curly, wiry hair. And she's... Oh, cool. I don't remember this part. Oh, and the music reason. is, it's, it's like, it's haunting. For more than 200 years, we Owens women have been blamed for everything that has ever gone wrong in this town. Is that why people hate us so much, Aunt Frances? They don't hate us, sweetheart. We just, we make them a little nervous. Let's face it, Chet. We Owens women have always created a stir. It all began with your ancestor, Maria. She was a witch. The first in our family. And you, my darlings, are the most recent in a long and distinguished line. Is that why they wanted to hang her? Because she was a witch? Well, the fact that our Aunt Maria was a bit of a heartbreaker didn't help. Nor did it help that most of her lovers had wives on a hanging committee. She's an unwed witch with child, so she's about to be hanged. But however, she has magic and escapes death. But because of that, the townspeople banish her to this island, and they call it Maria's Island in Massachusetts, where she waits for her lover to come join her, the man who she was fully in love with, and the... It it they come it comes across that she, people of the town hated her partly because she was a witch, but because all the men were very enamored it, by her. So mm. yeah, so she so she is on this island, and as she waits for him, she he never comes, and she is devastated. So she casts a spell to never fall in love again, and with her bitterness and pain, it becomes this hardened curse. 
and a curse on all of the Owens family, all the women of the Owens family thus far. And apparently she had, we don't know much, but she has her baby and she dies of, of a broken heart. Then we fast forward to Sally and Jillian, who are little girls, and they're playing with their parents on a beach. And you can tell this is kind of, you're not really sure. You know you're at a more present time, but it's it's not the 1800s Salem witch trial era anymore. It's the 70s, maybe. Okay, so the mother is in Owens as well. Mm -hmm. And she hears the sound of the death watch beetle, which indicates that her true love will die soon. And she knows this because all of the Owens women know about the curse um and her true love dies and after he does their mother soon dies of a broken heart oh and even even with kids to take care of i know i know well that's some true love i guess yeah so this is you know it's an interesting um thing to listen to the difference between the book and the and the movie, I, I happen to, I have to say, I love the movie so much that listening to the book, some of it was less magical and more sad. So I was like, mm, right. I can I just hang on over with the, but it's still sad. I mean, th- she died of a broken heart, which I think is like heart disease. I don't really know. Or maybe it's magic. So it's both a little bit of both. <laughs> exactly. So the little girls, they go to their aunts in on Maria, Maria's Island. So Sally is the older one. She's known as like a little bit more of the smart one. And Jillian is the more open and free one, the redhead. They both go to live with their aunt, aunt Frances, Fran, Frances and Jet back in the island. And there's a, they live in this magical cottage mansion-like thing by the sea that is simultaneously beautiful and creepy all at once. And <laughs> you know what's kind of fun is they actually built uh, a house to accurately represent like the director's vision and it was on San Juan Island in Wash- in the state of Washington which is where I'm from. Oh fun. Yeah. I've been to the the San Juan Islands. Yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful out there. Absolutely stunning. So beautiful. I saw like orcas and it was magical and so so quaint. Yes. But yeah, I actually read that um, after watching the movie Barbara Streisand wanted to buy the house and like called and they were like, "Oh, it's fake. It's just like an exterior." Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, because they shot some of the exter- the interiors in Los Angeles um, and then right. some of it in in uh, in Massachusetts, where they were from, where the, where it was supposed to be shot. As the girls enter this house with their aunts, there is no order in the house. They just eat chocolate. They stay up late. They learn magic because they are witches. And mm-hmm. Stalker Channing, who I adore, is so same, wonderful in same. this. And, you know, Diane Wiest is amazing in this. She plays the more, like, sweet one in Stalker Channing. Both of the, the aunts refuse men. You know, they don't because they know the curse and they believe in the curse. Right. So Sally takes to doing spells right away, but Jillian just isn't quite as good. And the town is is not so inviting to the Owens clan, especially the aunts. The legend continues and the townspeople really hate them. Whether it's something that they know or they fear, it's like those witches. And the kids, <laughs> the kids even yell at the girls, the little girls in passing, witch, witch, you're a bitch. And you're just like, wait, what? I would wash that kid's mouth that with soap, I swear to God. Oh my God. And the truth is, is all Sally and Jillian ever really wanted was to be accepted. And people want to be seen in love, for God's sake. Yeah, so, and not called a bitch by mean kids. Exactly. So one night, Sally asks her aunts, did my dad die because of the curse? And the aunts reply, yes, he did. And our mother, she died of a broken heart. And the answer, of course, is yes, 
And as they unswoop the girls off to play and eat more chocolate, a knock is heard on the back door. And this is the part in the book that I got through that's very sinister. It becomes almost Ooh. like a horror type genre. So even though mm. the people hate the aunts, they love them. They love them. Well, they come to them when they're in desperation. However, on this, so this particular evening, a desperate and like sweating, shaking woman. I want him to want me so much that he can't stand it. She basically asks for that the man she loved leave his wife and love her as much, be obsessed with her. And to do that, they have to, you know, she pays them. So that's how the the aunts make their money. Um, And the little girls are like secretly watching, you know, the aunts were like, go upstairs. And, but they're watching and she chanted what the aunts told her to do, to say. And she like stabbed this little dove like a billion times. Like a live dove? Yeah. So that's how yeah. they, and, and the, the jet is the one that is played by Diane Weiss. She's like, are you sure? You know, be, you know, be careful what you wish for. So yeah. it was a creepy You're wishing scene. for a stalker. And they always would come. Well, you're right. And that's in the book. It's pretty mm-hmm. sad what happens. He becomes Ooh. a stalker. And I'm sure we don't go into it in this movie, but. Right. It's inferred. So after the knowledge that their mother died of a broken heart and also after witnessing their aunts cast a spell on a man for a woman who seemed obsessed with having his love, Jillian decides she cannot wait to fall in love. Jillian's <laughs> like the the boofy one. You're like, ba-ba-da-ba-doo. And <laughs> Sally vows never to fall in love and casts a true love spell to protect herself. But you never wanted to fall in love. Point. The guy I dreamed up doesn't exist. And if he doesn't exist, I'll never die of a broken heart. She's asking for this love that doesn't exist, so she thinks that will protect her. A man right. with one green eye and one blue eye, which, by the way, my husband has. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. And so it does exist. It does exist. And then, but there was other things like a man who rides his pony backwards, and his favorite shape is a star, and all these things. Right. So you know, it, it's it's sweet. Unlikely. Unlikely. You'll find this man. And then we fast forward in time, and the girls are now adults. And here we go. Sally, played by Sandra Bullock, and Jillian is played by Nicole Kidman and they are so good in it now I think this this movie at the time got pretty panned by the critics but I think it's it's just not a straightforward rom-com like it's a bit it's a bit genre bending I think you know like that's why they add the fantasy element I think of it it's got even a little horror and thriller in it as well but I I think also critics back then were primarily men so you know maybe and I mean and the movie has like almost cult status in terms exactly. of people love this movie. I don't know anyone who didn't like this movie. I know. And I think for me, I just always love the idea of of being a witch and being able to do spells. Oh, yes. I mean, that was something mm-hmm. I fa- fantasized over for so much of my childhood. So watching this as in 1998, I was a teen and was like amazing. I was like, I love this. I want to be as beautiful as Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman and, you know, with their powers as well. So, yeah. Now, Jillian, at this point, is running away. She's running away in the middle of the night with a lover. And we get the idea that she's just like kind of, 
she's she likes to have fun. She likes to party. I wouldn't call her loose because you know who cares. It doesn't matter right. how we much we don't. You we own. don't do any no sex shaming no on this show. No sex shaming on this show. No, no, no. She likes to have a fun. She does. She likes to have a fun. And also, I think in her mind is is if it's never that that serious, then that she'll be protected from the curse. So, you know, so that makes sense. Or she's just, you know, she really, as a kid, wanted to fall in love. Yeah. And so she's trying to. And, you know, when it's not the guy, she's got to move on to the next guy. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was, yeah, that's a really good way to think. I'm such a negative Nancy. I'm like, you know, she's just like never going to stop. But so she's running away. And Sally, who, you know, as little girls, they were each other's everything. And Sally says, I'm afraid I'm never going to see you again. And and Jillian's like, no, we're going we're gonna to die together. And they make a blood pact. <laughs> Your blood. <laughs> Our blood. And they cut like the inside of their hands, right? And mm-hmm. they do their oath. But I was, that made me think, I don't know if you ever did this, but were you ever a blood sister with anybody? I mean, I, I remember that being a thing. But I don't think I ever did that. But I mean, I literally just felt my knees go go weak oh. when you were describing cutting their hands. Yeah, so I forgot. I don't, I don't think I probably did that. <laughs> I totally did it. And I, I remember with my friend Laura and like, I'm sure I did it with my cousins, but I was already blood, blood related to them. But yeah, it's a female bound to one another in commitment and friendship by a ceremonial, ceremonial mingling of blood. And yeah, we'd prick our finger, but like the middle. I'm sorry, I don't want to make you pass out, but I was just like, oh, that's intense, man. That's intense. <laughs> I re- I do remember that being like a thing yeah. that kids were doing. I don't think blood people are doing that anymore. Stars. I remember then you learned about like, you know, diseases that you could transmit by blood. And I was like, oh, yeah. oh, maybe I won't do that. <laughs> but whatever, we're all little. So mm-hmm. nobody had anything just yet, I don't think. Okay. So, so, <laughs> so Sally is very depressed that her sister's gone and... One day, as the aunts are walking through town, they're all three of them, the two aunts and, and Sally, this song starts to play, and we all know it well. And it's just underneath, you hear it, it's like, beer, near, near, near. And later that afternoon, and so everything gets kind of like glowy and shiny, and we see this guy, Michael, who's like a local Apple salesman. He's very cute. He's played by actor Mark Fairstein. Fer- I've seen him in things later, that I was like, he's fine. But in this movie particularly, he is absolutely adorable. And as the song crescendos, we hear, This kiss, this kiss. Yeah. It's something And I she, don't remember that. <laughs> there's, so, she, there's so many things. Yeah. But she runs in, she runs to him from gardening or whatever. She's all dirty kind of. And they make out and they kiss at that moment. And it's... Like out of nowhere? Yeah, it's weird. It's as if... It's as if some force is making them do it. But they love each other. They fall madly in love. They get married and they open a botanical shop together. And they also have two little girls. And it all seems okay until the death clock beetle starts to chirp. And poor, poor Michael is smashed by a truck. And this is like... So sad. Do they all? Do they always die like violent deaths or no? I mean, can't just be like a heart attack or. I'm sure it could. I think that (laughs) the beetle has. Who knows what kind of evil thoughts the beetle has? It's really creepy and like right before, because she keeps hearing the beetle for like week 
and she's looking for it. She's trying to kill it, and it gets really, really loud, and it's in the floors, and she's like picking up the floorboards and trying to kill it. But he dies, and she's devastated. Meanwhile, this whole time, Jillian has been bouncing from man to man across the great nation, and it's a little sad because she hasn't met her nieces at all. She's oh. been gone. Yeah, they, they, Sally and Jillian do write letters together all the to each other all the time. But oftentimes, when Sally sends a letter, she's not at that address anymore. She's with another man, so she's beyond depressed, and she's forced to move in, move, move back in with her daughters, with the aunts. And this is when she realizes realizes that the aunts had cast a spell so she could fall in love, and she is pissed yeah she and they just wanted her they said they gave a little nudge it wasn't a big spell they just right. wanted her to be happy because she was so depressed and she freaks out and she's like she wants this the aunts to cast a spell to bring him back from the dead like right now but they refused to do it because they say it, it wouldn't be him it would be some evil or right. or or it just would be it just wouldn't some be undead him. Ver- exactly. yeah it's an undead version of him so sally decides when they move in, that her daughters will never perform magic. And so she stopped doing it herself. No magic of any kind. She, you know, she had her shop and that's what she did. But she's so devastated devastated by his death that Jillian decides to come back to console her because she won't get out of bed. It was a real hope floats moment for me. I don't know if you remember that movie, but I just remember her being really sad in that movie. I love... Sandra Bullock. A sad Sandra Bullock. You just don't want to see that. You want to make her feel exactly. better. Exactly. <laughs> so, so Jillian co- decides to come back to visit. And at this point, she's in a relationship with this obsessive Cape Fear kind of scary dude who's named Jimmy, played by the actor Goran Viznik. And Jillian has to drug him every once in a while with like a microdose of belladonna, which can kill people. It is a poison. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if she gives just a little bit, she finds that he will pass out and she can get some sleep or do some. But otherwise, he's obsessed with her. Right. And, and wouldn't like let her out of his sight. Abusive. Yeah. Right? Very, you know, I don't think at this point he's done anything like physical just yet. Right. But just I... Just emotionally yeah. abusive. Yeah. And like in your face and like course of control kind of shit, which... I mean, luckily, she's, you know, part witch, so she can navigate some of that. But so after her sister goes back, Jillian leaves, Sally feels the light of the sun again. And she she goes back to her shop and her daughters are sweet and they come to visit. She's working. It's sunnier out, you know, and the town Mm -hmm. kids are still assholes and do the same chant to her little girls that she had done to her some BS and Kylie so Kylie's the older one and Antonia is the littler one of her children and she with a pointed finger to one of the really shitty little boys she's like I hope and the whole town goes <gasps> and she's what? like I hope you get chicken pox and yeah. of course her mom is pissed because she's like no magic because you can't like right. just do that as a witch it might happen and a spoiler alert it does <laughs> um, <laughs> so the ants have a moment with Kylie and Antonia. Antonia, the girls, they now know about the curse. They ask about it. And Sally lets the aunts know that she's not cool with that. Don't talk about it. You know, don't fill their head with nonsense because that's what got her in trouble. And she she just wants the kids to be safe and not no drama. And Sally, in the meantime, writes letters to Jillian. Still sometimes when the wind is warm or the crickets sing, I dream of a love that even time will lie down and be still for. I just want someone to love me. I want 
to be seen. The phone rings and she knows. She feels something is off because the two of the sisters have this connection and it's Jillian and she calls Sally from a motel where she has been abused by Jimmy. He, he has roughed her up pretty bad. And so Sally gets in her car and drives. And unfortunately, this is where Jimmy, this evil dude, kidnaps them both. And within the, and so they're driving, he's having them drive and they've, he's got, um, he's got Jillian in the back and then through weird, like maneuvering, the girls get some belladonna into his tequila because it's his drink of choice. And Mm -hmm. they, they actually inadvertently kill him. (laughs) So. Right. Two, they went, there were no more micro dosing. They fully dosed. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So <laughs> the sisters then drive back to the house and they resurrect him using that forbidden spell that the aunts. Oh, yeah. Because it, it's not going to be him. No, because they didn't want to go to jail for murder. Right. But when they, when he comes back, Jimmy attempts to kill Jillian again. He's like strangling her to death after being revived. So Sally kills him again by hitting him over the head with a cast iron skillet. <laughs> oh, so all for naught. Yeah, all for naught. <laughs> it's just... So bad news all the way. Just listen to your aunties, for God's sake. So they bury him in the front, in the garden. And the next day, the aunts and are none the wiser. And Jillian is back in their lives. She's staying over now and working at the botanical shop, although not very well. She's kind of a, a flake. So we find out that Sally really wants the other moms to like her. And she's been dying to be the lead, like do the PTA. And she's been dying to actually be the lead of a phone tree for years, which is pre-texting group text. You had to like, when a bad thing happened, the first mom would call two moms and then the other moms would call, you know, it's like just a phone tree and it's a big responsibility. And God damn it. Sally wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, she gets her wish because Jillian makes it so with a little... So Jillian can do magic. So the aunts the aunts are making margaritas. And this is late at night. You hear this like whirring sound. And and Jillian comes up and wakes Sally. And she's like, do you hear that? And it's the blender. And you hear... And so they drink and they're like, it's it goes into a frenzy. They're running around in circles, drinking tequila and margaritas. And they get so drunk and become quite nasty, like unlike mm. themselves and somehow possessed for a moment with something they don't know. Mm. And the aunts know that the girls did something wrong, but the sisters refuse to tell. So right. Francis and Jet leave so they can clean up their mess by themselves. But weird, sinister things start to happen or continue to happen after that. And Kylie, the oldest daughter, says that she sees a man out by the garden. Uh-oh. Yeah. And you just see like an outline of him. It's actually kind of creepy because it is scary when your child sees something that isn't there and you're like, holy mm-hmm. shit. And this is a, you know, this is a fantasy story. But like in real life, sometimes that happens and you're like, oh God, what are you looking at? Um, but it's right where they had buried the body and there's like red roses. And- so wait, real quick. Yeah. So you said the ants take off to clean up their mess. Does that mean they finally tell the ants what they did? No. Or the ants are like... The ants leave because they want them to clean their mess up by themselves. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Thank, gotcha. thank okay. you for helping with that. Yeah, no, they want them because no, they're not going to help them with a spell. 
They want them to right. figure it out. Get yourself out of your own mess, you know? Mm-hmm. Then a state investigator named by, by the name of Gary Hallett, played by Aiden Quinn, arrives from Tucson, Arizona in search of Jimmy. Uh-oh. Who, guess what? What? He's a serial killer. He's a known serial killer. Oh, Jillian. I know. She's just <laughs> like, I mean, he was taking his time with her, but dear sweet Jesus, it's a little scary. Oh, and one thing, he while they were in the car, he was going to brand her with his like cobra ring or something like that. And I guess Ooh. that's like a sign of his kills. Like all the women he's oh. killed, he brands them before he does. It's real gross. It's real gross stuff. But, you know. And then the thing I love about... Uh, this guy, Gary Hallett, and honestly, the actor, Aiden Quinn, he's so cute. He's like cute in like a more butch Mark Ruffalo sort of a way. I I don't know how to explain it, but he's very adorable. Um, And And he's like, seems like a grown up, grown up. You know, like I feel like anytime I've ever seen him in a movie, he was never young. He was always handsome and like could definitely be like the love interest, but he was like a grown ass person. You're right. You're right. That's his type. You're totally right. It's like you just, you feel safe with him, I guess, you know? So the crazy thing is Sally, she can't lie to him. She's like, I don't know why, but I can't lie to this man. So she's trying to like uh, escape some of his questioning, but she's just like not doing a great job. Mm. But the reason they, he came to their address is because one of Sally's letters to Jillian was there. And it was about how much she wanted to find love and this and that. And he had read her letter. Oh. So he's just kind of pretending to look for Jimmy or? No, he really wants to look. Maybe. I don't know. But is his job to find the bad guy, which is, you know, he's like, any help you ladies can give me would be great. And as a detective investigates, he finds out about the curse. And he's like, this is like a funny montage where he's like interviewing the townspeople. And they're like, they're witches. Yes, dear, your husband. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And all the all of the things. And then he learns about the Owens curse where the man dies, where they fall in love with. And guess what? He has one green eye and one blue eye. Ooh, that's very interesting. Oh, interessante. Mm-hmm. But here's where shit gets weird. A frog barfs Jimmy's ring out. And Gary's like, what the hell y'all doing here? Mm-hmm. He's like, you guys, something's off. But in the end, Sally goes to his place and they make out because she can't not make out with him. Right. Just like how she can't lie to him. Exactly. Sally tells him that their love isn't real because she made a a spell when she was a little girl and it's just not real. And Gary let her know that curses are only real if you believe in them. And he also said, You know what? I wish for you too. I mean, it was like a really sweet moment. Right. And then Even she he's like, but y'all are murderers, yeah, right? Well, <laughs> I think he's he's moving a little bit onto her side because it's, you know, he's he's into her. And that's the, that's the other thing they actually talk about. She talks about for a second. You'll never know if the reason I stay is because I don't want to go to jail. And I'll never know the reason you stay with me is because of the spell. At this point, Jimmy, Jimmy the dead guy, possesses uh-huh. Jillian. And it's really Uh-oh. freaky. There's the, I, there is one weird scene where y- you have a bit of CGI that's like not great yet in 1998. Right. It felt like I was watching one of my kids' shows on Disney, you know, mm-hmm. with like the ghost coming out. But that's the only, for me, that's the only like thing that brought me out of it for a second. But he gets, so he possesses, he's inside of her. And just in time, as she's writhing and like 
agony and pain right the aunts arrive back they have to lift this goddamn curse but we need a coven <laughs> oh lots more witches are needed and guess what sally uses that phone tree and surprisingly all the judgmental biddies in town respond to sally's cry for help which i'm like oh good okay they're not that bad and each woman with a broom in hand because they're like you gotta bring a broom Form a coven, a coven, and a circle around the possessed Jillian. And in I unison, love that you said a coven. I know. Oh my god! You know why? I watched that movie. COVID. I can't. Oh, I thought it was because everything's COVID. You know? No, like, there's a movie. I can't. It's called a, an American movie or something like that. And it's so funny. It's it's a documentary thing from like 20 years ago. But they always. <laughs> they fight over is it coven or coven? Anyways, it's coven. Oh. But I can never get it out of my head. I'm like, which is the right one to say? So each woman, hand in hand, they're forming this circle and they're chanting in unison the incantation incantation that the aunts had them do. But Sally, it gets too crazy and Sally makes them stop because she thinks it's going to kill her sister. And there's this sweet scene where she lies down on the floor. And this, this is where the actresses really, they do such a good job. But she's like, Jillian's just like, let's just let him take me. He's too strong. And Sally's like, don't die on me. We're supposed to die together, remember? And this is not that day. And all of a sudden, Sally gets an idea and she gathers the women back in the circle and she brings that tequila that Jimmy likes to drink. And she's like, Jimmy, I got a worm with your name on it. I swear to God, at this point, Nicole Kidman is acting her ovaries off. She's just, you know, it's like yeah. the possession where she's protect. You can see yeah. her be a different person. It's really good. Mm. Guys, if you haven't seen this, just watch it for that. I'm telling you. Um, Michelle, I know you don't like rom-coms, but maybe this one you've seen. I feel like you might yeah. like it. This one's, this one's got some darkness yeah, to it it's, for sure. It's, it definitely does. So getting inside the circle, Sally and the townswomen reenact her original blood oath with Jillian. So that's what she's like. That's what I do. They're able to break the Owens curse, exercising Jimmy's spirit and allowing the coven to exile him permanently. Yeah. So it was. it's like it's very dramatic. It's a little bit silly, but it's. But they banished that, yeah, that motherfucker. Exactly. And then. At the end, after leaving for Tucson, Gary clears the sisters of any suspicious wrongdoing in Jimmy's case. Self-defense. Yay, it's a happy ending. It's true. And decides to return to Massachusetts to be forever with Sally. And the Owens women celebrate All Hallows' Eve, Halloween, of course, dressed up in witches' costumes on the roof of their beautiful cottage mansion thingy. And guess what? The townspeople embrace and welcome them the end. Oh, happy ending. So wait, could he ride a pony backwards? They showed it for a moment when he was a little boy making his wish that he was on a pony backwards. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Okay. I was like, I was just waiting. I'm like, I know that. I remember that detail. And I was like, I don't yes. remember how it worked out. Because I'm like, how do you ride a pony backwards? <laughs> He's like, hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we just talked about him being... <laughs> One of the most adult grown ass men, but he's like, but I ride a pony backwards. I'm from Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> and he's he he loves stars because he had like a, a sheriff star. Oh, that's why it was his favorite shape. All right, so she found her true love, and it gives you everything. You know, I feel like the one thing rom coms kind of do is it, it gives you a little, gets you a little high. Yeah, you get that that rush of feeling in love. Yeah, love, love, love that. What is the chemical? Oh yeah, that oxy comes out of your brain. 
oxytocin? Yeah, or, I think it is. Or hemoglobin? I don't know. That's blood. No, that's not what it is. That, that will make you weak in the knees. No, I think they, it does. It gives you that that feeling. And I, I did read something. Maybe this is why I love rom-coms. But like when you initially fall in love, that high, it, you do get high. It's kind of, yeah. You get a little, a little burst of it when you watch them. So there you have it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you Yay. for that. So the crime, yes. rom-criminals. I know this movie well and so of course I'm like I gotta find a story about two sisters who have to murder one of the sisters abusers mm. like of course that happened sometime and I'm sure it did but you can't be that specific I guess and find actual stories I found several stories about sisters who committed murder although fun fact it's usually brothers that do that oh, huh. like for every like 10 like brother groups committing murder there's like one sister group doing Ooh, I wonder it so what that's all about. I guess it's unusual I know I didn't look too deep into that but I thought that was kind of interesting where I was like okay if there were brothers in this that were witches in this movie I would have had like a thousand different <laughs> stories to choose from for you guys so then I was like something with exorcisms like when they were trying to you know like someone accidentally killing someone yes, during an exorcism yes. would work right and I found some stuff but it was like Way too sad. I don't know. Something about where I was like, oh, gosh, that's that's an accident. Yeah. That's not I mean, you know, or that's that's just a horrible thing. So then I just Googled practical magic murders. And wouldn't you know, you guys, much to my surprise, as I've spent a week looking for like some kind of perfect crime story, I articles popped up saying movie inspires woman to kill husband. And what? that movie is practical magic. Oh so God. that is the intersectionality today, guys. This movie that Vanya just walked us through straight up inspired the woman I'm going to tell you about to do what she did. Crazy. So here we go. Heather Miller was born in Florida in 1974. She was such a like a beach girl. She loved the beach. She spent every day there. Um, she's alive. So I watched this snapped episode and they actually interview her. So she was like, she did her homework on the beach. She hung out with all her friends on the beach and she just, she loved it. Her dad had left when she was very, very young. So she had a single mom, but she, you know, she was in Florida and she was loving life. And then her mom had another baby girl and decided that she, with two kids being a single mom, she wanted to move back to her hometown. So she kind of uproots Heather at the age of 14 and moves her from sunny Florida to um, Quakerstown, Pennsylvania. Ooh. Yeah. And um, that's really tough on Heather. She has a really tough time. It's all new people. She's not really making friends. And she actually ends up dropping out of high school after her sophomore year and um, goes to work. So she's working like, you know, waitressing jobs, the things that you do when you're a teenager yeah, uh, and you uh, need a little spending money. And it's while waiting tables that she meets her first real boyfriend and um, she gets pregnant because apparently no one told her with your first boyfriend and all your other boyfriends, you know, be careful about that yeah. when you're 17. So she gets pregnant. She has um, a daughter. And unfortunately, her boyfriend and the father of her child was just not great. He wasn't a good dad. He wasn't a good partner. Um, it's it's never like fully outright said, but it, it seems like he was, if not physically abusive, he was financially abusive and emotionally abusive. Um, and then she said a direct quote is that her partner at the time had issues that 
were more important to him than her and the child that he liked to spend his money on. So I'm assuming that's like drugs or gambling or booze or all three. (laughs) So as a result of this, she, with a newborn baby, has to start working again so that she can support her child, (sighs) herself. And she's still in the relationship, but she's got to start making money. So she gets two um, part-time jobs to help support them. One is at a diner and one is at the seafood restaurant in Quakerstown. And I'm sure um, I've made jokes about this a lot growing up in landlocked Kansas, (laughs) but I just don't know how good the seafood in Quakerstown PA could be (laughs) that they have the seafood restaurant in town. Um, But it's a small town. And I guess this is where you go if you want seafood. Mm -hmm. So it is at the seafood restaurant. How many times did I just say seafood in the last <laughs> one minute? Like 16, 16 times? Yeah, you have to take 16 um, shots now. <laughs> yeah, that was a Don't lot. Do that. That's too many. But that's a lot of shots. But at the seafood restaurant, <laughs> sorry, had to say it again, is where she meets Kevin Miller. Now, Kevin Miller is six years older than her. He is a former Marine. He is like a stand-up guy. He's one of those guys that she described him as, he's, you know, he stood up tall, he knew himself, and he didn't take shit from anybody, and he had his shit together, like the exact opposite of her current boyfriend. Um, he was smart, and he was hardworking. In fact, he actually had like a normal job. He worked in a bank five Monday through Friday, like nine to five kind of job, but he worked um, in the restaurant on the weekends to make extra money because he was, you know, trying to like set up for life. He'd gone to college, you know, he was just, he was like, whoa to her, I guess is the only thing I can think of. And so quickly she's like, who is this guy that's now working at the seafood restaurant with me? He's just kind of amazing. And the, the attraction between the two of them is, is immediately mutual. And soon the two of them on break time, if you've ever worked in restaurants, you know, you get like, family meal before and then you can take like a smoke break or a 15 minute break or whatever now there's really strict laws actually about breaks they're always like you could be like six deep at the bar and they're like you have to go out for 30 minutes and I'm like really okay Um, (laughs) bye guys sorry about all this Um, so they start spending their breaks together at work and they kind of form a friendship and Heather starts confiding in Kevin about all of the problems that she's having with her boyfriend and how he's you know a bad dad and he's spends all of his money on whatever his issues are. Uh-huh. Um, and through this friendship and talking to him, you know, about everything, she gets the confidence and he helps her get the courage to leave this guy, to just be like, no, you can do better than that. Um, and so she does. And from the moment she leaves the lousy boyfriend, it is her and Kevin. And she and her daughter move in with him. And after two years of dating... The couple get married in 1995. Kevin legally adopts Heather's daughter. And this is another quote that um, Heather said. She was his daughter through and through. And that's the way we wanted it. So this is like a wonderful romance, right? Like they're this family. Um, He's a good guy. He adopts her kid. Um, They're doing well. Like, you know, he's a solid dude. And in 1996, a year after they got married, Heather gives birth to the couple's first child together and so in order to make room for their growing family kevin buys them a townhouse in the small town of richland town pennsylvania which is also part of bucks county so the kind of the same area as quakerstown but it's a different town over um it's very uh small town like 
Americana vibes. Mm. It's only a, I think there's only a population of like 1,300 people. So there's like a main street. Everybody knows everybody. So they get a little townhouse there to accommodate their growing family. Um, and they move into, is it like a development? You know, like when there's like a bunch of homes all in an area and you can call it the neighborhood, but yeah. it's also like a development type thing where like the houses were all right next to each other and yeah, everyone could like, see everyone else's front door. Like track housing. It's like that they have. Right. It's but, all the same, yeah. right? Like similar. It's all the same. Like, it's like one of those um, what the arrested development people wanted to depict. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Like one of those, you know, where it's like all everything looks the same. Everything's close together. And so it becomes very easy to get to know your neighbors. Mm. And um, they quickly started meeting all the neighbors. And Mindy Robbins was one of the first um moms on the block to befriend Heather. They had kids the same age and they quickly became really, really good friends. Um, they would have coffee in the mornings together. Um, they also invited all the other stay-at-home moms to have coffee with them. Um, nice. And, little community. You know, so it was like this, yeah, they had this little community and things were good. And over the next four years or so, um, Heather and Kevin had two more kids. Wow. Um, and, you know, life was was going along. She was. She had her stay-at-home mom friends. They'd have coffee in the mornings, like I said, wine maybe, a couple bottles of wine, split between <laughs> them at night, where they'd talk about their kids and neighborhood gossip. It was harmless, Mindy Robbins said. But underneath the surface there, things in the marriage were were kind of falling apart. So when they first moved into this area, Obviously, things were going well. He was doing well at work and all that stuff. But he shortly actually lost his job oh. right after, um, I think, the birth of their first child. And then um, had to take on like two part-time jobs just to get by. And then the kids, as I mentioned, she has two more children over the course of the next four years. They keep coming. So you got four kids now um, and a mortgage and... So he's working something like 80 hours a week and she oh. is raising four children kind of by herself because he goes to work at 8 a.m. and then doesn't get home till like midnight, right? Ugh. So there is some stress in this marriage, some understandable stress yeah. to be honest, where I'm like, that doesn't sound fun for either of you. And so um, they're fighting all the time, like the pressure to provide for his wife and four kids. He kind of takes it out on her. He's always yelling and like, making him like you said um in this snapped thing that sometimes like when he'd be really frustrated he'd just like trash the house and then expect her to clean up after him you know so she was just like you suck i hate kevin now oh. i hate him and she's venting to her best friend mindy about all of it you know just like the stress the pressure how she doesn't you know she doesn't think that she loves him or he loves her like they don't get along anymore and mindy's like okay girl i hear you that sucks um but let's like, let's just go do something fun. Let's go to a movie or something. Like, let's get you out of here. Let's just go enjoy the the night. Um, so they go see a movie, and can you guys guess what movie <laughs> they see? They go to see Practical Magic, which was a movie that Mindy was super stoked to see. One because the actresses in it are amazing, which I concur, and two because Mindy. Oh wait, yeah, Mindy was a practicing Wiccan. Oh, so she actually like practiced. Um, Wicca and so she was loving this movie because she said that so much of the movie really called out aspects of it like candle magic and meditation and like all of the herbs and stuff like that mm -hmm. so she loved the movie they watched it uh, hopefully Mindy had the kind of happy feelings that you had after you watched it 
Um, but for Heather, the movie was a revelation. She truly saw herself as the Jillian in this movie, like a woman who needed to do something desperate to get away from a horrible, bad man. And this movie gave her an idea of how maybe she could do that. So combined with the inspiration from Practical Magic and the fact that her best friend is also into this like witchcraft stuff um, and, uh, you know, like tarot cards and spells and all of those things, she's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to cast a banishment spell. So you know how they ban exile Jimmy? Oh, yeah. Um, to get my husband out of my life and out of our house and I won't have to deal with him anymore. Okay. I also need to remind you that she's very young. She's a mother of four at 26. So I, I part of me likes to hold on to that because yeah. at 26, like you can be pretty kind of, I don't know, stupid about stuff. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right word. Or just well, like she, immature. Yeah, she, she, what do you call it? She's, stopped going to high school right like she didn't graduate yeah no she quit high school after her sophomore year so she's I mean I don't I'm not saying that she wasn't smart but I just feel like the idea that you would pin all of your hopes and dreams on like casting a banishment Mm -hmm. spell where you're like this is how I will get rid of my loser mean husband and that's you know I think a lot of those moments are people who don't see a way out and that's also a lack of education in so many ways too. Right. And and a little bit of like the desperation for her really is real, right? Like whatever's going on in her marriage at at this point in time, like she's like, I want to banish him from our home. Um, So Heather drives to a new age store in a neighboring town. And the store was called like Gypsy Haven, the witch shop that they used in the snapped. I hope it was the real store not just like a random store that they used where she purchased like the incantation and the instructions for a banishment spell that was going to drive a man out of the house, shield her from his wrath and cast him out. So she then waits she waits till one night in spring and the moon is just right. And I just love the imagery yeah. of all this because this feels like something I wouldn't have done it to like get out of a marriage, but I would have totally been like, I'll drive out to the lake on the night when the moon is perfect and do some kind of yeah. magic-y spell. I, did, I do that shit, you know? Yeah. I will still do that, <laughs> to be honest. I like to do Yeah, you're supposed to you set know, intentions at the full moon, Intentions, right? yeah. Like I'm not trying to like, banish someone from the world or from the house but I mean I like to set intentions under the moon and there's like water and fire and all the witchy wonderful things that's something new maybe you didn't know about me listeners oh I love it um so she waits until the moon is just right in the spring and she drives out to it's a lake knock knock a mixum which um is I guess the lake near uh where they live in Richland Town, PA, and she performs the spell under the moonlight. Uh, but much to her dismay, when she gets home, guess who's there? Yeah. Yeah, Kevin's there. Yeah. What the actual <laughs> fuck? Because it didn't work, you guys. Uh, unfortunately, not that magic isn't real and doesn't work, but it just turns out that the spell that she bought uh, didn't work on any living person. It was a spell that only banished ghosts. Oh, so that So she bought the wrong it. spell. Now, you'd think maybe you go back and you see, like, you got one of these for, like, live people. They're like, no, that's not a thing. You can't banish a live human being who has free will, like, out and do any of that. So she goes to her friend, best friend Mindy, and asks um, her advice. And Mindy's like, do you know what what else is banishment, girl? Divorce. Like, 
leave, leave him. If you're really this miserable and this unhappy, there is a way out. There is a way to banish him from your life. Divorce him. Exactly. Um, but that's for Heather. That was just no. Mm. That's not what I want to do. She's didn't want to do that. <laughs> um, so she's like, okay. Okay, Jillian from Practical Magic, what do we got to do here? What do we got to do? This is, I'm imagining yeah, that's what she was I'm thinking. Sure. She she never actually said that that's what she was thinking. Um, and then she was like, oh, Belladonna, I am going to poison my husband with Belladonna. So for those of you who don't know, I mean, Vanya mentioned it. Yeah. Belladonna is a very old poison. It's also um, known as Deadly Nightshade and the Devil's Berries. And like way back in the day, it was the, the kind of poison that was used to like kill royals. Right. Um, people believe that that um, Belladonna is what Juliet drank in Romeo and Juliet. So there's like a lot of, it goes back in history. It's a very dangerous poison when, you know, ingested in high doses. Yes. So Heather goes back to the witch shop, the Gypsy Havens witch shop, um, but they don't sell Belladonna there because they're like, we sell spells and like tarot cards yeah. and like really cool scarves. I don't know. I don't know. Right. What they sell. <laughs> um, but they don't sell Belladonna. So she's looking and she's looking and finally she finds some in her local health food store. So the kind of Belladonna she found is a homeopathic sleep aid that was like highly, highly diluted, y'all. Like right. it's over the counter. It's it's like melatonin, but it's Belladonna. Um but she doesn't care that it's diluted. So she buys a bunch of it. She goes home that night. She crushes up a hundred of the pills into a fine powder and then puts the powder into a vial, seals it up, and she tells Mindy about her plan. She's going to put it in his food. Now, Mindy is not about this plan. She's like, she said in the snap to Mindy said, Wiccans don't believe in hurting people. Like, that's a, against everything we do. So she she continues to try to tell her friend, just leave him. Just divorce him. But Heather insists that this is the only way because uh, she can't afford an attorney to get divorced or something like that. She's like, I have I have to just kill him, Mindy. <laughs> I have to. Um, and Mindy, this is the part that I kind of laugh at. Mindy now is stuck between a rock and a hard place because she doesn't want Heather to kill Kevin um, because killing people is wrong. But she also can't really walk into a police station and tell on her friend. And I'm like, yes, you yeah, can, when lady. it comes to murder, you really can. Yeah. I mean, like as much as I understand loyalty to a best friend and I do. And part of me feels like in a certain of the right kind of situation. Yeah. Where like in like a what Jimmy in the movie. Yeah, I was going to say in like Jimmy. a Jimmy, like a serial killer is trying to murder in your sister in front of you. So you hit him on the back of the head. You know, maybe then we cover for each other yeah, with murder. Yeah. But, you know, in this instance, no. So, on April 2nd, the year 2000, there is a knock on Nancy Zelensky's door. Now, who's Nancy Zelensky? You might be wondering, because I haven't mentioned her yet. She's another <laughs> one of those moms that, like, hangs out and does coffee. And she lives directly across the street from um, Heather and Kevin's house. Um, so, there's a knock on her door on April 2nd. And... To her surprise, because she and Heather were friendly, but it wasn't like what um, Mindy and Heather had. They weren't like friends. They didn't hang out and talk on the phone. They knew each other. Sometimes when all the moms were together, they would be those moms, but they weren't friends. And so she was very surprised to see Heather standing at her door in the evening. And Heather said to Nancy that she needed to talk to her. And then she just proceeds to tell this woman across the street her whole plan. She's what? like, all right, I'm going to kill. I know this is such a bizarre 
strange story. So um, she tells Nancy she's going to poison her husband by putting belladonna. She like holds up the vial that she put the powder in into his mashed potatoes and send him off to work. Um, then she's going to wait until it's the middle of the night and she's going to wake up and she's going to go looking for her husband because he should be home, right? And then she's going to spot his car in the parking lot at his job and she's going to go into his office, which is going to be unlocked, and she's going to find him dead of what looks like maybe a heart attack at his desk and she's going to call the police and act totally distraught and no one will ever know that he was poisoned. And uh, Nancy's like, having a hard time even comprehending what what Heather's saying to her and then Heather literally as Nancy is like wait what you know she puts the vial in her hand says I need you to hold on to this for a few days because I don't want Kevin to find it at home and I will call you when I'm going to come by to pick it up for my murder plan and then turned around and walked away leaving this neighbor woman holding a vial of poison and um just kind of like totally stunned like did that just happen i mean can you imagine like put yourself in nancy's shoes would you i would start laughing i would would be be like like, what is wrong with you are you i'd be like is this a joke yeah yeah because maybe or like should i call mental help of some kind yeah like maybe you have had a break of some kind or or is this some kind of i mean i guess it's april so it's not like some halloween fun right (laughs) does she not understand consequences well, and we'll get into that, yeah. into what I, into what maybe potentially some of that means. Okay. okay. So after the shock wears off, Nancy looks down and realizes she's still holding this vial of poison in her hand and she immediately goes to the phone. And um, does she call the cops? No. She calls Mindy to tell her what Heather had just told her. And over the phone, Mindy says to Nancy, I know I've been spending the last several weeks trying to talk her out of it. And Nancy's like, yo, we have to call the cops. Yeah, exactly. We have to. And Mindy was like, uh, I really don't want to get her into trouble. Like, wait, what if we like just leave a note on Kevin's car, letting him know what his wife is up to so that he can save himself? Because <laughs> that, you know, that always oh, works. Kevin. Um, but, but Nancy's like, no, because here's the deal. We know about this. And if we don't do something to actively stop it, then we're participants and we're going to go to jail with yes. her. So finally, finally, she convinces um, Mindy to go to the cops. And on April 3rd, Mindy walks into the local police station and she tells them what Heather's planning to do. Now, police are like, huh, this is interesting because we don't normally get this information at this point. We usually know about homicides and murders after the people are dead or after an attempt has been made on their life. We don't normally get a, hey, I know this is going to happen murder type thing but here's the problem with that in order to actually arrest her and stop her they're going to need more evidence to like prove that it's not just a woman talking to her friends about oh i hate my husband i just want to strangle him you know because we women we're always just we're just so naggy (laughs) i just want to wring his neck that's the way the cop sounded where i was like f you dude um but they need more evidence and in order to get more evidence they're gonna have to enlist Mindy's cooperation the best friend's cooperation so initially they tap Mindy's phone and they have her make a call and she's trying she's like so is this still on and then this is the part that you're just kind of like a little chill Heather on the phone says yep making mashed potatoes right now and then um she tries to like keep talking to her and she's like I don't really want to talk about anything on the phone if you want to come by um I'm just uh over here, you know, making some mashed potatoes. <laughs> um, and so 
she gets off the phone and they're like, well, fuck, like we know that was the plan, but that nothing about that conversation is evidence or warrants any probable cause to arrest this woman. So police like scramble to like wiretap um, Mindy's body up to send her over there. Mindy goes over to Heather's house and um, doesn't even really have to ask her many questions. And she, they, she starts talking everything through. And it's kind of wild because in the background of the of the audio, yeah. you can hear Heather's kids. Like they're in the kitchen with the women. She's making them lunch. At one point, she even says, will you please just sit down to one of her kids? I'm trying to talk to Aunt Mindy. You know, but like while she's saying, um, I'm going to put it in the mashed potatoes. We're going to find him at his office, dead of a heart attack. And then her friend is like, but what about an autopsy? Like, they'll do an autopsy. And she's like, I asked the guy when I bought it, you know, I, I told him that I was taking it for sleep, but I just got a new job and they they randomly drug tested. Would it show up on a drug test? And he told me no. So I think it'll be fine. No one's ever going to know. And then Mindy asks, if this doesn't work, are you going to try again? And Heather's like, yep. Oh my And this all God. on the audio. What? So now police have exactly what they need and um they need to do it now right because she's making the mashed potatoes you guys like it's it's imminent so um they rush together you know to get like the warrants and everything and as uh heather is driving back she had left to run some errands as she's driving back to their their little townhouse development community um she's pulled over and all of a sudden her car is surrounded by police cars and she's like Uh uh-oh what's going on no she actually seems genuinely confused like oh really what did i do something like what are you what are you pulling me over for and then as police more and more police kind of come and swarm her the the detective says that he saw a shift in her eye where she was like oh shit and uh she is arrested this is on i believe april 5th of 2000 and this small town of 1300 people is like what because you know what the what like she was going to murder him. She was going to poison him. She, what? Yeah. You know, and then as the details of like casting spells and, and dancing under the moonlight at a lake and then getting the idea from practical magic to use Belladonna to poison him, it just gets more and more, you know, people are like into it. Like the news is talking about it a lot. Right. Even like the national media was like, huh, interesting. Um, so when the trial begins on September 14th, 2000, it's like a mob scene. This small town has like national news media outlets there. Plus, like every major city in Pennsylvania has a news outlet, like a news crew there. And um, there's just tons of people. And they're all about to be completely shocked because when the elevator door in the courtroom opened, out walked Heather Miller and Kevin Miller hand in hand. What? So the husband that she was now on trial for trying to kill was there holding her hand in full support of her. And apparently we learn in this moment that Kevin has forgiven Heather. He knows that he was a bad, mean husband to her um, and that he believes in his heart that like, you know, she wasn't actually going to go through with it. His direct quote is, all marriages go through difficulties. Ours just went to an extreme with it. Huh. <clears throat> this reminds me of that um, Toto story, you know, where like she yes. tried to have someone kill her husband several times and he did forgive her and they're still together. Right. So, you know, I guess it happens. So 
trial begins, and Heather is facing a long list of charges. So we've got attempted murder, aggravated assault, simple assault, reckless endangerment of a person, and solicitation to commit murder. I didn't really understand that charge because I was like, well, she's soliciting herself to yeah. commit murder. Like, can you charge all murderers with solicitation? Just be like, you told yourself. To <laughs> um, but anyway, because of all of those different um, charges, she was facing up to like the maximum sentence would be 80 years in prison. But she didn't even... But here's the deal. Considering that no one died, does she deserve that? According to the prosecution, she sure shit does because it was her intent that matters. And that is a big thing. I wish that I was a lawyer or that we had a lawyer on the phone right now. But I do know that when it comes to murder, Mm. intent is a really big part of it, right? Because you can kill somebody on accident and that's not murder. That's manslaughter. That's, you know, whatever it is. Um, But intent makes murder, right? So the fact that she intended to kill Kevin, she looked into like how Belladonna kills people and then she bought Belladonna. Right. That is intent. And therefore, they believe that she deserves the maximum. So here we go. Mindy, best friend Mindy, best friend slash betrayer Mindy is being called to the stand for the prosecutor and she cries through most of her testimony because she doesn't want to do this. She didn't even want to go to the cops. She wanted to leave a note on Kevin's car. Um, But she's being subpoenaed and has to testify for the prosecution. As the prosecutor finishes his questioning, the defense attorney begins to cross-examine Mindy. Another bombshell goes off in court because he basically... Heather's defense lawyer suggests that actually it was Mindy (gasps) who had encouraged the killing of Kevin, had showed her movies like Practical Magic and had egged her on. Uh And why did she do this? Why? Because she was jealous and she wanted Kevin out of the picture because guys, surprise, Heather and Mindy weren't just best friends. They were totally lovers. Oh my they were getting gosh. it on behind the scenes. Okay. So they didn't they didn't just have like just the two of them moments either. They had those two. Like it was that kind yeah. of thing. But then they were also doing threesomes with young men in the neighborhood. Are you serious? <laughs> so, yeah. So this all comes out while Mindy is on the stand and being cross-examined. And so when they go back on the snapped documentary I watched to like ask her about this mindy describes this as her bad girl phase um i don't like that phase because again i think that suggests that you're you know like bad girl sex shame all that so i'm gonna say that she was in her um single girl having a good time phase Uh and she introduced heather to all of it and um the defense basically uses this testimony saying like if heather just wanted to be single and like swing it with her girlfriend why didn't she just divorce her husband. Yeah. It's a great question. It's a great question. But prosecutors then counter this argument with the argument that the motive was the oldest motive in the book. It was money. money. Yeah. It was the $750,000 life insurance that was really her motive. In fact, she had been there because, you know, she wasn't super quiet about this plan. Um, and there was a uh, evidence that she had actually talked about you know getting that money and that she would use part of it to throw a, just a really huge lavish funeral for kevin as oh, a, that's like, nice of her yeah i just love that it's like that's what you were gonna you're gonna kill him 
get a big amount of money and then spend a big chunk of it on his funeral. Like, I'm telling you, finish high school I if you know. can. Um, so is that mean? No. That was mean. No. But I just I just feel like you get some important information in education. Yeah. I mean, maybe she had something something that wasn't connecting in her brain, obviously. It right. just seems like it. Whether it was, you know, not enough experience in life or if it was something that was actually off. Because it sounds like something was kind of off. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Or just kind of like, or or just uh, like living in a fantasy, yeah. right? Like where where it's okay to talk out loud about murder plots and and use and use methods done by witches in movies to do so. So again, I think that does pose an interesting question in terms of intent. Mm-hmm. Like, but let's get to now Heather takes the stand. Looking the exact opposite of a witch, okay? She is in like a pale pink suit with her hair in a French braid and a big old white bow <laughs> at the end of it, you know, like more 90s really than I guess 2000s, but it was only 2000 when this all happened. And um According to Heather, the Belladonna, in her mind, like the purchasing of it, it was the same as with the banishment spell. It was a fantasy that was fun to act out, like to actually go out and do that spell made her feel good, like she was in control of the situation. Buying the pills and crushing them up made her feel like she was in control. And it was something she could talk to about her girlfriends because, you know, like her best friend's a Wiccan and it's all this witchcrafty stuff. And she's like, but it was just fantasy. I was never planning on going through with it. To a degree, the neighbor Nancy, when she was being interviewed, she was like, I think there's maybe a little truth in that because why did she come knock on my door, someone who didn't know her very well at all, and just say all of this stuff out loud? Like, it was almost like a cry for help. Like, I think I've taken this too far, so someone's got to put an end to it. Um, Maybe she didn't realize what the end of that would look like and her being arrested. But But then here's another twist for the jury to consider. It turns out that... There was no way, even if she had fully gone through with her plan, right? She had laced those mashed potatoes with those 100 crushed pills. She had sent them off to work. She could never have killed him with it because the she bought an over-the-counter, really diluted version of Belladonna. And per the, um, I think it was like, I don't know, a science person, <laughs> a person would have to consume pounds, pounds, of multiple that. pounds of these pills to kill themselves and in fact the worst that would have happened to kevin had she laced the potatoes sent him off to work and he ate them is that he would have had some some bad indigestion that (laughs) night so her defense's argument is that how could there be a crime if the so-called victim was never actually in any danger and i think that's an interesting question right like so not only did she not even get to carry it out but had she carried it out he never would have died but prosecutors then again argue it was her intent that mattered not the fact that she was not good at it but like she was inept at carrying out the murder but she intended it and how long was well i'll let you keep going so uh, those are the ending arguments like was there even a crime here what are we doing here um she intended to kill him it's not our fault she wasn't good at it um, and yay, we stopped it from happening. So the jury goes out, right? Takes them three hours. And they come back and they find her guilty of attempted murder. So when they then do sentencing, remember, Kevin is like with her in court every day. He's standing right behind her. They both look stunned when the guilty verdict is read. Because remember, the maximum here could be 80 yeah. years. So they, he, Kevin like writes a letter asking for leniency. They ask like for... I think the minimum she could get was two and a half years. I love that that can be, you could get two and a half to 80. Very strange. 
I think she was also only found guilty of attempted okay. murder, uh, not all the other charges. So the judge doesn't think that two and a half years is enough, so he decides to double it. And he's like, you're going to do five to ten. Wow. Five to ten years. And she's mad about this, you guys. She said, like, in the interview, when she was being interviewed, she's like, I'm not the only one who had to serve five years. Kevin served five years. My kids yeah. served five years. And it's like, yes, but your kids also, like, you know, lived with a mom who was trying to murder their yeah. dad. Like, it's no bueno. But seeing as, you know, he stood by her, Kevin visited her with their children every chance that they were allowed to come visit for the entire five years wow. that she was in prison. She was released after five years. Now, when asked about, like, what what Kevin's loyalty through all of this, like, meant to her, this is a direct quote, and she said about that, in one aspect, I love him for it. But in the same breath, he must be completely insane. <gasps> like, to say to stay with me. Like, I tried to kill him. Wow. But it turns out all of that loyalty and love and faithfulness, it was kind of for, for naught. So she gets out in 2005, and they're divorced by 2007. Wow. And he says, and he says about that, that with the exception of the fact that I provided stability and normalcy for my children while their mother was incarcerated, all of my feelings and belief that she it was all for nothing. That's so sad. You know, like, it didn't work out in the end. Um, and she still lives in Rockland Town, PA, where she deals with the looks. I bet. And, uh, witch, witch, you're a bitch or whatever version. Um, the mean biddies of the town staring her down, like saying they know what she did, but she won't leave because that's where her children live and she wants to be by Jesus. her children. So she's like, I'll deal. I'll deal with the looks. And that is the story of how Practical Magic inspired one woman to try to kill her husband. Wow, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, Evan, that was amazing. I love the, I, can't, I just can't believe it. There's so much in that that I'm like, I can't believe that she had an affair with Mindy. I can't believe that they were having sex know. with young, I mean, men. men. I mean, there was like so much to it and that her husband stood by her through all of it. And that, you know, in the end, obviously they, they weren't compatible. That's why this whole plot came to her in the, in the first place. I mean, he admits that he was not, I mean, he wasn't physically hurting her, but he was not I kind mean, to her. I mean, if somebody you know, trashed was, the house and expected me to clean it like every day, I'd be yeah. like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's where we got, but I do think what an interesting question. Like if, if the vic the so-called victim here, like the charges yeah. are being brought that you're attempting to murder this person. And then it turns out that this person was never actually in right. any danger that, that the sheer fact that that's what you intended to yeah. do, whether or not it could have been done the, the way you were going to do it is all that I matters. Mean, I was like, wow, that's crazy. But yeah. So that's the wild and crazy story of Heather and Kevin Yay. Miller. Um, yeah. Thank you for Practical Magic, Vaughn. That was fun. And thank you, Rom Criminals, for listening. And we're going to end this <gasps> by saying you should definitely tune in next week because we have some really, really exciting news that we can't wait to share with you. Yep. But we can't share it until next week. Yep. So we will talk to you then. All right, guys. <laughs> Bye. Thank right. you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rom Crime. If you did like it, please rate, review, and subscribe. All those good things. And share it with a friend who you think might be into the rom-com true crime genre that we're dipping our toes into. Follow us on all social platforms at Rom Crime. We'll see you next week with another Rom Crime with Avern and Vanya. Produced, directed, edited, and researched by us. Till next week. 